everybody, and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. This is episode 14 with myself, James Gerd, and uh, Paul Rogers, my co-host on this. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Very well, thanks. How are you? It's Friday afternoon. It's nearly the weekend. Life's good, mate. Great. Um, so, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got a bit of a, uh, a funky topic to get stuck into today. I think, I think this is an area that a lot of people don't think through enough, actually, before they get launched into a, a project to go and find a um, platform technology and partner. Uh, and this is about how do you go about um, choosing a platform? You know, uh, does it matter what platform that you're choosing? So we're going to take a look at, you know, why you need to really think about the type of platform that you're selecting and what the implications are if you don't make a sensible decision on this. And then how can you feasibly evaluate those platforms? Um, I think the key thing uh, from my point of view is uh, platforms have got to have a good operational fit with how the business works. It's no good just picking a piece of technology that's best in class. You've got to be confident that technology works in the context of your business and that the way that it does things out of the box uh, um, suits your operational process, but also it's flexible enough to adapt to the way that you want to use it. And your team has fundamentally got to be able to use it. If you, if you have an extensive um, team working across different areas of the platform, whether it's customer services people needing to access customers, place orders, or um, admin people needing to update product catalogs or content people doing uh, content management, the admin tool you give them has got to be fit for purpose because if it's not, you slow them down, that compromises speed to market, it adds time, cost, complexity, all those things. And also it really alienates people from wanting to get stuck in and use the platform. So there's the framing of what we're doing today. Um, I, I guess what a good starting point, Paul, would be to, to hand over to you and, and answer the key question is, is, why does it matter which platform you choose? Like, you know, does it matter? Yeah, absolutely. So I think you've touched on a lot of good points there. Um, and I think, you know, it matters to different businesses for different reasons. So most people, when they go into a replatforming project, would look at kind of business objectives um, and short-term and long-term objectives. And I guess that's a really good starting point. But I think um, the interesting thing for me is kind of how objectives change and how requirements change. Um, and a lot of people might look at things like um, kind of TCO or um, a need for specific features short-term, but then as they grow and people might look at how a platform scales as well and like kind of proof that a platform can scale to a certain level of turnover or a certain kind of number of concurrent users or transactions, that kind of stuff. Um, but then as they grow and they kind of get to a level where that stuff matters, um, the, the kind of key things become more agility, um, kind of costs of com a completely different set of features that might not be readily available um, and might require kind of uh, on some platforms, complete bespoke functionality as opposed to other platforms where there's an ecosystem and you can kind of create that level of functionality very quickly. Um, and I think that's something that really matters that a lot of people don't necessarily think about. Um, and then you've got the kind of functional limitation side as well. So um, if you were to choose the wrong platform um, and, and you kind of, although you might look at things like product data and kind of content um, management requirements and things like that, uh, maybe you end up going multi-channel um, and the platform doesn't work particularly well on that side or you end up internationalizing. So I guess really uh, a big part of it is kind of thinking about, so in terms of why it matters, it's probably because you can get to a point where it maybe does, it's not fit for purpose or the cost spiral or, you know, you're heavily restricted by vendor lock-in or having the wrong partner. So 
it, there's just so many influencers that are there for an e-com platform that kind of make it matter. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Flexibility is a word that's often used, but I think a lot of times people don't stop to think what flexible means to them as a business. And for, it means different things to different people, doesn't it? For some, it's flexibility for a development team to be able to extend and customise on top of the core application. For others, they don't give a toss about that. What they really yeah. care about is how easy is it for them to go in and make changes to how the website looks on the front end. So it might be content or changing product information, might be you know, um, uh, adding fields into um, to, uh, customer service areas so that you can read and add comments, et cetera. So I think, I think the flexibility is a good point, but to steer people towards thinking, what does flexible mean to your business? Yeah. Because that will determine whether the platform meets that criteria for you. I think also like, different businesses platform like a kind of happier with different compromise in different areas and kind of aligned to different objectives so this whole like direct consumer movement at the moment so the brands like you know simba sleep um kind of various big ones in the states like ColourPop and um yeah those kind of brands tend to prioritize agility and kind of low technical and maintenance overheads over anything else Whereas, you know, more traditional businesses may be a lot more focused on kind of extensibility and kind of meeting uh, longer term objectives that may not actually uh, end up being relevant. Yeah, definitely. I, I know we're going we're gonna to talk about in a minute about where do you start, because this is the million dollar question. But I think the other bit that you touched upon uh, related to this question is around partner ecosystems. And we, we were talking about this earlier about how important that actually is, because you have to start thinking as well about what type of partner do you want to work with? Are you, if you don't have the luxury of having an in-house development team that can do all the build and management for you and you're just looking for an application provider uh, you know, in the marketplace, but you actually need a proper a systems integrator partner to build, host, manage, then understanding how extensive that ecosystem is, what type of partners they have, how experienced those partners are at full service versus just build is absolutely critical because picking a technology where you then get down to the point you realize the partners in your local country aren't the type of partner you need then puts you in a bit of a sticky situation and i think that happens a lot as well like there are some platforms on the market that in theory are amazing and the native feature set is amazing but then once you get out of build and you start to look at your roadmap and then you start to work with pretty much any si in that landscape um, the costs are just astronomical and the TCO is actually a lot higher than people might expect it to be um, as a result of the way the SIs work um, and also kind of how they how integrations and things are approached. I think that I've definitely seen a lot of that and that's actually become a bigger reason uh, for people replatforming over the last year or two I think. Yes, and I'm not going to name names around platforms, and I think that's a good thing to do, but I've definitely seen that where people have turned around and said, basically, if I sneeze, it costs me £1,500. Yeah. And it's, it's that, and it's not just the cost. I mean, obviously, the cost eats up your, your, um, you know, your, your, your BAU budget for doing enhancements, but also it's the speed to market of that. If everything takes that much extra time, they yeah, need to do small that. things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, excellent. So I think that's that's a um, a good summary of why it does matter. It fundamentally does matter, um, and hopefully that people listening have already bought into the fact that it is an important thing to to pick the right platform. So let's get onto the 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 crunch bit. Is is knowing that is great, but what do you do about it? So how how do you start? What what advice can we give people about what should you think about and what do you need to know before you even start to evaluate the vendor marketplace? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the way that um, I would usually start a project in this scenario, um, I guess I'd start off by looking at those top line business objectives and maybe the kind of structure of different teams and, and objectives across those different teams. Um, and then I think that gives you kind of an idea of what that business is looking to achieve kind of short term and long term. Um, and then beyond that, I'd then build a spec. So that would kind of be the functional needs of the retailer and kind of how they currently work and maybe are looking to work as well from a process standpoint. Um, and then against those different line items, um, I would then go back to each platform and kind of map out how um, they would work, what third parties are needed, what level of customization is needed. Um, and then beyond that, I would probably start to map back to those uh, kind of business objectives um, and also start looking at cost around the third parties, customization, everything else. Um, so I think that's kind of where I would usually start. And then that, I guess, is where you probably look to bring in kind of a consultant or at least work with a partner on that side when you start to narrow down the platforms a little bit. Um, yeah, so I think that, and also, so one thing that I'm really pro is getting hands-on with the platform. So say, for example, if you've got very specific needs from a product data perspective and you're not clear on how it works, rather than just going and speaking to the vendor, um, I think sometimes you're much better off kind of just getting your hands dirty with the platform and kind of, you know, trying to do like a bit of a, trying to do an import or setting up some products um, and looking at how things actually work. Um, and that's not always possible if you've got really complex requirements, but I still think um, if you can actually getting hands on the platform, you can learn a lot from it. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think that structure works well is understand the business, the strategy, the structure and where it's going. I think the growth plan is really important that what is the growth enabler as well as, you have to start by defining that and it comes back to some of your early points. Like, are you going to be a truly international um, uh, business? And does international mean that you're going to have local uh, storefronts for each country that you want to, to, to be you know, properly present in? Or are you just having a site that can ship internationally? You know, do you have stores and integration with stores? All those things that determine where growth's coming from. Are there going to be different types of products coming through that change your product mix? So you need to understand how a platform would enable those products. I think that that's a good way of starting because that leads into the, the the requirements as you say. The other bit that I always find really useful is to get businesses thinking about what are their technology and business principles um, in the light of what does e-commerce mean to them. So break that into two bits. First bit is I always ask people, what is the role of e-commerce in your business and what does e-commerce mean to you? Because it can mean different things. Because for some people, well, e-commerce is everything. Therefore, they expect a platform that's got order management, you know, omni-channel, yeah. endless R capability, um, you know, uh, at least basic PIM capabilities. Versus others who say, I just need a transactional engine. I've got everything else in place. I need something that's really, really good for core commerce. Start thinking that and then move on to, okay, what are the business and technology principles? So a good example is I work with one client who's, in-house technology team had basically made the decision that they would only consider SaaS products um, that had proven APIs. They weren't interested in anything that couldn't work in a non-SaaS environment. Um, that's one extreme, but the, the major thing with that is that instantly narrows down your field. So you can then go and say, well, okay, great. Well, we know then within the overall vendor landscape where the SaaS players are, we can then start to look at the strengths and weaknesses of those in that context rather than, hey, look, here's four platforms that aren't even remotely fit for purpose because they have already uh, already don't satisfy your core technology principle. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think also some of the other points we discussed in the last question, trying to kind of think about those in the context of those business objectives as well, because if you're heavily focused on cost, thinking a bit longer term around costs and kind of beyond launch in that sense, and then also the same uh, principle for agility as well. Um, so yeah, kind of coming back to those objectives when you're looking at the platforms, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think a question around the the uh, the cost and the budget thing is to always ask people, okay, maybe somebody said we're only going to spend um, you know, 1% of GMV on license, or we're only willing to spend £150,000 on the build, is to understand what's driving that decision. Is it simply because the cash does not exist in the business to fund anymore, or the margins of the product mean that they can't afford to give away more than 1% to, to make it profitable? Or is it that somebody's come up with that definition because they don't think it should be higher than that? And to really query that and say, okay, what if the best solution out there was 1.1% of your GMV, or it was gonna cost you 175,000 pounds, not 150, but the user experience you'll get off the back of it will be way, way better, which will hopefully increase your conversion rate capability and help you grow quicker. I think really challenging people in a positive way on on why they've defined constraints is really useful as well. I think yeah, absolutely. One um, on uh, almost uh, the opposite of that as well. I had a client a while back who had a big capex budget, um, and they were kind of you know they had a a lot of money or a relatively high amount of money to spend on the build and also the licensing. Um, and they were kind of looking at platform options based on those two, but they were then not thinking about the operational expenses at all. Um, and then they were really limiting themselves in terms of what they could then do longer term. And, and uh, the platforms they were looking at had generally quite high operational costs. And if you wanted to increase, introduce net new functionality, the cost yeah. would be pretty high. Um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of something that often gets... Um, Kind of missed off as well when you're looking at some of the more enterprise platforms yeah that's that a very good point like cost and budget can be massively misleading yeah. um so i think i think then the, the general takeaways are that the, the the best starting point is to understand what e-commerce means to the business what are your growth drivers you know is it product is it expansion etc um and then what are the core requirements that are going to determine whether or not a platform is successful for you so uh, and this is your point about how important the requirements are and i think the, the best thing for people to think about is don't capture every single last bit of functional requirement that a new platform will need because a lot of it's hygiene for example having a wish list is not going to influence your decision on your platform but things such as all the management capability integration with back office systems you know um any things around payment complexity all the stuff that can make or break a platform decision i think that that typically is where i tend to focus people i think um also one other thing that i've done quite a lot of is um when it actually comes to making the decision i've pulled out for each platform where the compromise would be um just to kind of highlight those areas and then i've tried to kind of demonstrate kind of how different it would be within the platform from the current platform they're using i think that's quite yeah. um an important one as well yeah that's a really nice point actually um and that kind of aligns with with i typically when i start talking to new um uh potential clients is i say to them not what platform do you want to to have it's what set of problems do you want to pay for and why um and framing it them that no platform is 100 percent perfect for you they're all good in different ways and they all have pros and cons 
accept that from the beginning and realize that nothing's perfect but part of the process is to understand so understanding what it will be doing differently to where you are because I, I think that whole part with business stakeholder expectation management is somebody somewhere is going to find something that they don't like as much in the new platform as they did in the old one and that is an inevitability so making sure you bring people along the journey so they understand it's not a, this this perfect solution to all the problems of the world is really important yeah yeah completely agree so with all that in mind there are loads and loads of platforms on the market you can't feasibly evaluate all of them if you did even if you took all the just the platforms in Gartner's magic quadrant and did a full-on evaluation you'll probably be there for six months trying to get through that how can a business go about shortlisting the most relevant vendors in light of what we've talked about yeah, I think that's um, become really hard um, at each end of the market. So I feel like a few years ago, it's much easier. Um, Magento was kind of pretty uh, dominant in the mid-market. And then you had kind of a couple of players higher up that might come into that uh, kind of bracket. And then a couple of uh, players kind of in the lower end that would come up into that as well and kind of compete. But it was there weren't too many um, platforms around back in those days whereas now i think particularly in that mid-market there's a lot like there's probably 15 econ platforms that you could choose at least um in that market um so i think uh, as a result of that like i think consultancy be it from a consultant or um kind of a multi-platform si or even just um kind of someone that's done it before i think advice and kind of contextual guidance is really important um, just because it is so easy to find a platform that just seems brilliant um, and can meet all of your kind of functional and business needs, but actually isn't the right fit for the business. I like that uh, point you just made about the multifunction SIs, because I think let's expand on that a bit for those who might not have come across this before. So you're basically talking about a, an agency that's got experience building across a range of platforms who could help you in a consultative capacity um to to make that selection and you can basically you can pay them for that consultation with no obligation to use them for the build but at least get a technical mindset that's agnostic to the the various platforms yeah absolutely so i mean a lot of si's would do that process as part of the discovery maybe and then they would kind of pull out all of your like their bas might pull out all of your requirements and then kind of come back to the platform um and then talk you through kind of the variables um, and the kind of one that they think is best suited to your business. And I guess you're always kind of limited to the platforms that they work yeah. with. Um, but I still think that, you know, there's some good players that support a number of platforms that can be, that can add a lot of value there, particularly. Um, I think that's definitely a better route to go down than just kind of putting all your eggs in one basket when you don't have any kind of uh, real understanding of the market. And, and how do you go on to if people, because I've said that to people sometimes where they said, look, we, you know, we, we don't want to bring a consultant in, but we want to find smart ways to do this. I just say to them, well, look, pick, pick, pick an SI that's got three to four platforms and work with them. And see, it'd be the simplest way for you to do it if you don't have an expert in house. But then some of the, some of the feedback is, but won't they have a, a, their favourite and won't they have somewhere they get more commission from and isn't that going to bias it? How do you kind of assuage people's um, concerns in, in that area? Or have you ever come up against that? Yeah, I think, you know, that's probably, there probably is that um, to take into consideration, but I think you kind of need to uh, navigate that yourself as a merchant um, because that is going to be the case in a lot of cases. And the other thing you need to do is still validate their experience with the platform. Like, there's a lot of people yeah. that support multiple platforms, but let's say one of them 
uh, is magenta and they're relatively new to it, um, you probably you'd probably want to do a lot of validation around kind of the level of implementations they've done, like the uh, level of skill in their developers and experience in their developers, and kind of make sure that all the other members of the project team are kind of comfortable with that platform. And that's another thing. So you still need to do that kind of vetting. Um, but I think if there's an agency that you know you've got on with, you you're really kind of impressed with their work. They've got they tick all the boxes in the other areas. You're confident in their kind of technical ability and maybe the people that are running the discovery kind of their um, knowledge of the landscapes and kind of ability to pull out the right requirements um, I think then it's it's a good move but I do agree like you know there will always be some level of bias I think and it's important yeah. to um, to kind of understand that up front. Yeah definitely I, I even find this when when you speak to like reference sites so maybe you know somebody in your network who's whose company is built out on you know, big commerce, Shopify, Magenta, whatever the platform is, and you contact them and you speak to them and you get a glowing endorsement or you get someone saying, oh, it was really difficult, we didn't like it. It's a really, you've got to be really careful in this area as well because some people can um, have had a bad in, um, experience with a platform when it isn't the platform's issue at all, it's a poor implementation. Yeah. Or they've worked with an amazing agency that made the process so easy, but the platform isn't actually that good a fit for purpose and has been more complex to implement than it should have been. But you don't understand that because you're not talking to the developers. You've had to work around it. So you have to really pull apart and be clear when you're speaking to people as well on exactly what it is you're trying to understand. I, I completely agree. I had, um, I went for lunch with someone the other day and we were saying exactly that. There are a couple of merchants. Um, it's one of the platforms and there are a couple of merchants that were the right fit for the platform. Like it was a good fit. Um, and to be honest, like the, well, basically they went through a bad experience with an SI that didn't necessarily have the right level of experience or put the right team on the project. Um, and then they ended up replatforming and ended up losing a lot of money. Um, and I do think you're right, that happens a lot. And it's really easy to kind of draw false conclusions that way. Um, and equally, I think if as part of that research phase, if you are kind of doing this internally, one thing that I've done a lot of is when I'm looking at when I'm a, or like a client is about to select a platform. Um, if there's specific bits that might be particularly challenging with the platform or where there's a certain level of compromise, I've like scoured the web to find people that have kind of gone through that um, and kind of done that on that platform and tried to ask very specific questions around yeah. how they've dealt with that challenge specifically. And I think that's um, something that's really good for internal teams to try and do is just reach out to people that have done it before. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, one of my clients last year or somebody I advised um, who was on Magento and they were adamant they had to move away from Magento and they would look at how much it was going to cost. And when I got under the hood of it, they, they had no problem with Magento. There was nothing they, they didn't like about it. It's just that they couldn't do about three or four things, including quickly being able to change configurable properties, you know, such things like you know, tax rates, whatever it might be, um, uh, and other areas of content on the site that they should have been able to quickly change without having to require developer time. So they're spending loads of money on doing things that you can do straight from a platform easily. But the whole reason is because the agency had set it up, you know, were either weren't experienced enough or, or didn't approach it in the right way, but they hard-coded so much stuff that the flexibility wasn't there. It wasn't a platform issue at all. And in the end, they decided to save uh, quite a chunk of money on re-platform and just move to a, a, an agency that was you know, better capable of delivering the solution exactly how they needed it. 
yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely see that a lot with Magento and also with Shopify a lot these days. And generally, like the most common trait across those projects has been people uh, basically under-investing in the project and maybe cutting corners in certain areas and then finding that the platform or like deciding that the platform wasn't a good fit. And like you say, it was more kind of, I'd say, how the project was delivered and be it that on their side or the SI's side. Um, but yeah, I do feel like that happens a lot. And I also feel like that's often why uh, the discovery can be so important because I feel like it's a good opportunity to really understand how, and I've seen people do discoveries with different agencies to who have actually delivered the project just to kind of make sure that um, a certain, they get that certain level of uh, kind of input from people that have kind of done things before yeah. um, and covered different areas that maybe their SI wouldn't be able to do. And I, although I wouldn't necessarily recommend that, I do think that discovery is hugely important and um, yes. you should be as open before that as possible. Yeah. And, and one last point on this kind of topic is, is basically be wary when listening to the glitzy sales pitches um, that say, yeah, on average, our clients get a 40% conversion rate uplift when they migrate to our platform. Because a lot of that is taken from sites where they had fundamental issues before and therefore you migrate to any platform, there's going to be a conversion uplift. So it, you need to, I'm not disparaging um, some of those claims, I'm just saying you need to take it with a pinch of salt sometimes and really get under the hood of a specific um, case study and understand what what drove it was it the platform or was it simply fixing known issues which could have been done on the existing platform yeah exactly um so that leads us on nicely into um and there's probably a few salespeople listening who are going to crucify me now for saying that um so i think the next uh, question that would be interesting to answer is is in what ways do platforms differ and, and how can you meaningfully um compare them so what criteria do you advise people using to differentiate yeah, so um, I think we've, we've talked about this quite a lot already and um, there's obviously lots of ways you can compare platforms. So, And we obviously did a podcast on this before, but I think costs and how those costs are structured, um, both within the platform and external to the platform, I think that's important. Um, native feature sets um, and kind of how that impacts costs around the platform as well and also how that um, how those features can be extended and kind of, whether they allow you to meet kind of short-term and long-term goals or, or kind of when your requirements get more advanced. Um, ecosystem, so both technology vendors and uh, agency partners, I think that's a really important one. Um, and I think actually certain platforms have a much higher level of SI and those SIs might have a much higher level of involvement with the client and they might manage the project completely differently. And like, and I would imagine that well, I know that certain businesses prefer to work with SIs that might be really light touch and certain businesses tend to prefer to work with agencies that are actually a lot more kind of hands-on and really get ingrained in the business. Um, and I think that can actually be really important. And, and again, as we touched on before, can really impact how happy someone is with the platform. Um, and then lastly, openness of the platform and the ability to kind of extend different areas, again, which we've touched on a little bit. Yeah, that's quite a nice set of uh, criteria, actually. Two that are kind of related into that from, from my point of view is um, vendor relationships. So is it important for you to have a relationship with the vendor? Do you like the reassurance of, of them being involved, um, them looking after 
um, like the, the 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 application for you, or them providing a level of support. You know, do you need them to be on board in terms of you know, client success stories where they can help you to make the most of the platform, where they can give you suggestions and ideas for you know improving performance, conversion, sales. So those are the models that something like Salesforce um, pushes and the client success manager is a key area for them. Uh, I know that um, various platforms, including um, big commerce, Shopify, et cetera, have people involved as well. Episerve is the same. So is that important or are you not worried at all? And you're quite happy just to have a relationship with an agency partner where they do everything for you. Uh, I'll give an example being with Magento because the vast majority of people on, on Magento wouldn't be having a direct relationship with anyone at Magento. They'd be working through the SI. Um, so that bit I think is important. Does it bother you? Does it not? And then the other bit I think links into what you're saying about nature, native, can't even say it, nature, native even feature sets is do you care whether the capability is delivered natively versus through a plugin, an app or a third party? And I've seen this before where people have said, oh, but this platform's better because, you know, it's got a, a good CMS and the other platforms only got basic page builder. But then when you look at the um, pre-integrations on the other platform with more enterprise CMSs, you can actually achieve a richer set of functionality than the out of the box within a yeah. comparable cost model. So do you really care where the functionality is coming from? Some people love all in one because, do you know what, I've got one interface, that simplifies it. Others are like, no, I want a best in breed and I therefore want that kind of modular build it up approach. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And also how that effect, that will then have knock-on effects around kind of costs and agility and everything else. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of understand. Yeah, definitely. And that, yeah, the, the, the knock-on effects is always that bit is you can make a decision, but what does it do? And I guess a good one around native versus um, like, you know, modular build of third parties is if the native stack is properly integrated, it means that, say, for example, you have personalization and content and recommendations then the personalization can work across all of the areas of the site and it's, it's properly integrated server side. Whereas if you build in loads of third party tools on top, maybe there is a point where it's not as closely integrated and you can't use one of those third parties to influence another capability or functionality. So thinking those implications through is important. Um, cool. Anything else to add on that or should we, uh, should we crack on with the next um, topic? Yeah, I don't think so, really. I mean, platforms are going to differ in so many different areas. And I think, again, a lot of that just comes down to what is important to your business and really kind of aligning it with what you're trying to achieve. So we've talked about what the, some, of the, some of the ways platforms differ and the criteria you can use to differentiate. When you're doing it yourself, what, what do you focus on? I pick, pick a few key areas where you go straight to and say, this is the area that, for me, is one of the biggest risks um, if we don't get it right. Yeah, so um, I guess this definitely differs dependent on the client and also dependent on the platform. Um, but there are areas where I would usually uh, spend a lot of time on regardless. So I guess product setup um, and kind of the knock-on effects of that. Um, so kind of how the catalog um, would be set up and how that differs from where it is now and kind of how that would allow for some of the requirements um, both for launch and maybe in the future as well. So things like bundling, maybe gift cards, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I guess another one would be some of the areas of merchandising, um, things like promotions, like as you said, content management, I think is a, is a good area. And that's something that I think is usually quite good to get more hands on with, because I think, as you say, it's quite easy to tick a box with, with like a, 
a page builder feature or module um, as a lot of the platforms have now. But then when you compare that to uh, some of the more content led platforms that have got much broader feature sets and also some of the third parties, um, yeah, you can, you can quite easily um, kind of miss or like maybe miss uh, what could be available to you with the different option um, and then things like dependent on the platform things like payments um, things like b2b is another important area um, maybe something around customers uh, some features around customer management um, if you've got customer specific um, requirements um, yeah I mean it can vary I guess but there, there's some areas that I would look at yeah there's a few parallels for me as well I, I typically um, focus client teams on what could break your business not okay we want to be able to do content management it's like great but most of that's hygiene stuff again but yeah so payment definitely so the I guess actually let's take it back two areas that are interlinked one is product management and the next one is around payment and the two are linked for a reason I'll explain in a minute but around products is there any complex product configuration where you have like made made to made to um, order stuff where it's not just a simple product with variants and like parent child relationship where you might have dynamic properties of a product that change the price etc but they're not all physical SKUs certain you know that can become more challenging on some platforms than others especially if you're doing that across massive product sets and then linked into the payment it's it's payment flows for me more than payment methods and gateways it's do you have any complex payment flows where you've got to factor in things like um, credit payment, where you've got consolidated baskets for people who are buying a, a item by car, but they're also setting up a subscription or do you just have pure subscription flows? Those things where understanding how easy it is to customize the checkout flow can be the difference between a massively um, complex and uh, overly expensive project versus actually, do you know what, we can do this uh, within the time frame we need. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also like in terms of uh, both of those areas, kind of the knock on effects on it with um, things like made to order as well, with things like shipping, with order management, um, all of those pieces, um, I think, are, can differ in terms of how far they can be extended and what's available natively within different platforms. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so hopefully that's given people a flavour of some of the areas that we, we typically focus on. I mean, uh, Obviously, it's not exhaustive. There are lots of areas, but the, the key thing here is you don't want to compare a platform against a 486-point checklist of every individual feature because you'll be there to the to the end of days, and it's not that meaningful use of time. So that's talking kind of about how they differ and, and how we like to 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 compare what areas we focus on. So, how do you then evaluate and score this, Paul? So, what what is your recommendation? How do you take that all that information you've gathered? and do something meaningful with it so that it can help you make a decision. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I guess it depends really. Like, again, this is something that I tend to change depending on the type of client I'm working with as well. Um, so if I do, so I don't always kind of score uh, platforms necessarily. A lot of it, like I've had projects in the past where we've kind of just gone through all of the requirements. We've looked at how things work. We've kind of, pulled out what's important um, and then we've kind of gone through the impact on different areas and then we've essentially kind of gradually made a decision from there we've looked at things like TCO and SI landscape and everything else um, but when I have gone down that route and I guess it also depends on how the client wants to run the process as well at least it has for me um, that scoring criteria has kind of been built into those 
kind of business objectives and what's important to the business. Um, and we've kind of pulled it back to things like, I don't know, like maybe agility is one, uh, cost would almost definitely be one, um, specific areas of functionality and then kind of functionality generally, um, extensibility, like it, it tends to vary really, but there are probably some areas that I would always look at. And if I was scoring, then I would I'd use those for better. Yeah, fair enough. I know that the scoring thing is always an interesting conversation. I've got a standardised approach to that, which I use when it makes sense. Sometimes clients don't want to score. Yeah. They're happy to do, do different criteria. But the one that I've used that does work is I score it on a 0-5 point system in a weighted scorecard. So like 0 means that there's no, there's no functionality in the platform and they don't have um, aren't proven pre-connections with third parties so you'd either have to custom build it or you'd have to do a custom integration um, all the way up to it's got really mature native capability that you can just literally turn on and it's ready to rock so that 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 kind of waits on how easy it will be I guess that's a complexity rating and then the weighted bit is working with the client to, to decide how important each area is to the business so for example things around like digital marketing stuff it's going to be less of a worry because it's yeah. relatively straightforward than payment flows and integrations. And then we weight those on a percentage basis. So something that's really not that important, a decision influence might be 1% or something that's going to be critical in influence in the platform section is 10% to a total of hundred percent. And then that gives an aggregated weighted view on it. So normally do that on projects where actually we've got some really detailed requirements and therefore we can get, in the background, the partner, uh, the the vendors to fill out, just, uh, I guess an RFI where against each of the critical requirements, they provide a summary of what they deliver, whether it's native, third party, custom, and then the comments about how they've enabled it before, um, which other brands are using it, etc. So that can be useful, but it typically suits um, bigger, more structured project teams where actually there's a high level of due diligence is needed in order to go through a procurement process. Yeah, absolutely. But I agree, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to overkill people with a burden. So sometimes keeping it simple. I think the most important thing takeaway here is, is you've got to have a criteria. It doesn't matter how complex it is, but you've got to have a way that says, this is how we're going to evaluate. And it's got to link back to the requirements. Otherwise there's no point capturing requirements. Yeah, I completely agree. So on the basis, Paul, that no platform's perfect, and we both said it, you know, sorry to disappoint all the uh, people from vendors listening in, um, but no matter how much we love your platforms, they're not 100% perfect for everybody. Uh, risk is a, a, an integral part of e-commerce re-platforms. So how do, you identify, how do you help people identify risk, and, and then what can you do to mitigate yeah, so, um, so basically at the start of a project, I would usually kind of run a lot of workshops and build uh, quite a detailed spec which wouldn't necessarily be used fully to look at the different platforms but then we might use it further on um, to kind of gain to get estimates and form the RFP um, but within that uh, spec I would be pulling out the different areas that would be needed for the where you would need a third party things like that and then I would also highlight the ones that are risks or weaknesses within different platforms and then towards Towards the end of the process when we're starting to look at the platforms um, we'd look at the risks look at how they could be uh, kind of managed 
um, or countered. Um, and then that's where I'd probably start to get more hands-on with different areas. Um, and also that's where we would look at the level of compromise. And, and also, with, as, you, as you rightfully say, every platform has compromise. Um, and it's just where your priorities are as a business and which ones you prioritize and your own kind of where you're willing to accept compromise. Yeah, the, the demo point is the critical one, isn't it? And, and it's about making sure you see how the product is used to achieve specific use cases rather than the, the kind of vanilla hello world demo that you get. So it's about... I think the, what I've learned over the years, and I'm not saying I've got the perfect approach by any means, is that you have to go into a demo with a very specific brief and set of use cases and scenarios that you want satisfied and have the right people in the room who can then ask questions because they can relate it back to their day-to-day work on how they work rather than, uh, you know, here's a demo of a CMS that you can create a new page. It's great. How do you create a new page that does X, Y, and Z? That then becomes use case specific rather than generic. Yeah, and I think one thing that um, I know you do, um, which is good, and that I've tended to do a little bit in the past, is rather than necessarily bringing a platform in to do a demo, I think often if you if you know you're going to go down a certain route or you're likely to go down a certain route, bring in an SI and who's maybe got experience in a specific area, or if you've done something with another client, uh, maybe demoing how it works on their platform so that there's a bit more context around it than, like you say, just kind of having a vanilla native set of features. Yeah, and, and coming back to one of the points you made earlier about if you're doing the, the um, uh, multi-vendor SI, it's a really nice way sometimes of... Say, for example, you've got an site as Magento, Shopify, and Big Commerce, and they all broadly tick the box for if you're an early analysis if they could be fit for purpose. Taking your use cases, finding an SI that you think is a good fit based on their portfolio, their credibility, their reputation, uh, and saying, right, help us evaluate the platforms in the context of all these use cases. It's amazing. I've seen it with special content management tools or customer management tools when people are looking at how they manage customer orders and inquiries, and you see somebody in the room suddenly respond much much more positively to a particular user interface than another and you can see them getting that ah that would make my life easier yeah exactly yeah so now we we're on to the last but by no means least this is the million million uh, dollar final question mate if you go through this process and i think we've given people quite a few good tips today to at least help structure the thinking but if you get to the end and you're sat around a table and no one can distinguish clearly between two platforms about which is the best one so you've got a bit of an impasse how do you help people get to a final decision when there is no clear out and out winner yeah i think um i think that's a really good question i think again it tends to differ dependent on projects really i mean again i think it's coming back to those priorities um and bring like really like pulling out where you would be compromising and even like we've said uh like we both said in this like if there's different third parties involved kind of how comfortable are we with them um things like pulling out all the things that really kind of matter when you're making the decision like we said we'd probably use in a scoring criteria as well things like the cost cost and structure si landscape um everything that's kind of important and then really going through them in detail and trying to almost kind of like um define which one you're happiest with against each of those areas in like the compromise and um the kind of important pieces of the platform yeah definitely a few things i've that i've found helping this is is when i'm doing the weighted scorecard with people 
is we go back and we look at the um, if we've got an overall aggregate score that's very similar. And I had it re- I had it uh, um, a couple of years back, I think, with uh, Magento and EpiServer. Very different platforms, but different pros and cons to each. And they were very, very close aggregate scores. But what we did is we went back to the um, capabilities that were the more critical to the business, so the higher weighted, and looked at where they and found two or three where actually one was significantly ahead. So they might be not aggregate, okay, but in the things that mattered the most, that helped us to differentiate. And in another project, I just asked a fundamental question to the client, which is you've got two that score similar, business stakeholders both like them, the tools are fine, you would be happy using either. Why don't you just go for the one that's going to be cheapest? Because then you're going to free up money to invest in, in yeah. other areas like headcount or additional third-party tools or put more money into the initial development to in, enhance your MVP launch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a good point as well. Like, you know, if there is a platform which is a really good fit for your business, I mean, there's different ways of looking at price, but yeah, I think if you can save money and still be in a really good position and have a platform that kind of aligns with objectives and what you're trying to do as a business, I think that makes absolute sense. And that could be like a really important priority area. Yeah, definitely. And another time I worked with an e-commerce lead and and no one could make a decision. They were both happy that, um, that both options, which is A, they're staying with the existing or B, migrating would be absolutely fine. So the, the, the kind of feedback I gave was if there's no clear deal breaker of why you should move away, why are you not just sticking on the same platform? So I think half the time it's playing devil's advocate with your, uh, with your other stakeholders on your project to, to make sure that if there is no clear imperative to make a change, don't do it unless you can come up with one. Um, cool. So I think that's all the key questions I had in my head that I was hoping we'd answer for people today. So have you got any kind of closing parting words of wisdom you want to leave people with? I don't think so. I think um, as we've both said, like, I think just due diligence and kind of really trying to go as deep as possible in these kind of exercises is really important. Um, yeah, I think that's it really. Yeah, due diligence, love that. Love those two words. Um, I guess my closing point would be to people, when you're going through this process and looking at platforms and how they work, focus on how, not what. Because it's simple, it's so easy to do a tick box exercise, say, can you do product management? Yes, the question is how, and how does that do it in relation to how your products work, etc. So always focus on getting the how shown to you. So hopefully that's been useful. Thanks, um, as always, for your insights and knowledge, Paul. Um, I know you've got a lot of experience in this area so thanks for listening everybody as always uh, if you have questions from myself or Paul do let us know you can contact us through uh, Twitter or LinkedIn there's a basic form on the website as well if you want to get in touch Um, and yeah look keep your ears out for the next podcast